we've worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. Good evening and welcome along to Sports Beat Extra. I'm Andy and here's what's coming up on the show today. In a short while, I'll be joined by Aidan Delaney for one last look at the Rugby World Cup because it is, of course, the big final tonight, New Zealand versus South Africa in Paris at 8pm. But first, it's the second part of Club Focus 2023-24 and we're off to see the Kilkenny Stars Basketball Club. Tracking sport across the southeast. Coaches Damien Brett and Puff Summers gave me the insight into the club and where they hope to see things go as they look to move forward. Hi, uh, my name is Damien Brett. I'm the chairperson and coach of the Kilkenny Stars Basketball Club. So we're a club um, situated in Kilkenny with about 380 kids in the club. Um, boys and girls between the ages of 6 to 18. So we decided to enter the club this year because we're on a, on the competition this year. We're, we're on a bit of a journey in the club, um, trying to expand uh, what, what we do. So we're looking at things like inclusivity. Uh, we're looking at participation across as many ages as we can. Um, and obviously looking what we're trying to be as, as competitive as we can across the, the local and national league scene. So we decided to apply for, for this because um, I suppose that we, we were kind of really interested um, to, to, I suppose, get a bit of exposure about, about the club and the things that we're doing here. We think we're doing a lot of positive things for the community here in, in Kilkenny. Uh, there's a real buzz about basketball in, in, the, in the local community at the moment. And we're just trying to build on, on that success over the last few years and I suppose get, get, get it out there what, what we're all about as a club. Yeah, like for us, like the 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 prize fund, I suppose, is, would be really important for us. It would be something that we would invest back in in the future development of the club. We've got a lot of additional projects that that we're trying to to fund at the moment, particularly around. Um, I suppose that the non-competitive side of the club is really important. That's the piece that we're trying to build right now. So, like we said, we had a an inclusive program this year for for kids with disabilities. We've introduced social basketball this year. For, for kids who are looking to, um, I suppose, just play for, for fun rather than, than for, com- for competition, um, you know, th- these are the kind of projects that we're looking to, to continually invest in. For me, with basketball, I suppose, has been in my family since, since I was born. We, we're a family of basketballers. Uh, I, I'm very, very passionate about it. I can just see the way that it, it, can, it can kind of change people's lives. Uh, like all my friends are guys that I played basketball with the whole way through my life. Uh, everywhere I've gone, you know, travelled abroad or gone to college, I've always made friends through, through basketball. And most of them are, are still friends to this day. Even the guys that we had battles with back in the day, we're all friends now because we're too old to battle now. So we're just watching our kids battle now. But uh, it's, it's a massive sense of community as well and, and family. And that's what we're really trying to, to kind of, I suppose, to grow within, within the club. For basketball, I suppose, what, what we're trying to do is, oh, since COVID, I suppose, we indoor sports took a bit of a hit. Um, so what we've tried to do is to, I suppose, get a real air of positivity about the club. You know, everything that we push out is, is about inclusivity, getting kids involved, and it's mainly about having fun. I suppose what we're trying to foster here as well is that community spirit, get everybody involved. Uh, we've got competitive teams, we've got social teams, we've got inclusive teams. It's really just, you know, providing really good, safe place for, for kids to come and and learn a sport and, and learn a little bit of life skills as well along the way, which is really important. 
got um, eight Irish internationals at the moment. So we've got seven girls and, and one boy at the moment. So uh, really, really proud, um, you know, to be able to do that in, in a county that's that's heavily dominated by, by hurling. Uh, and obviously we've got a lot of, of soccer and rugby in, in town as well. So I suppose what, what we're trying to do is to, to really kind of give kids a, another option uh, and to provide a, another another sport for them to play. We've got excellent coaches in the club and the kids that are coming through at the moment are really, really dedicated. They put in a massive amount of work to get where they are uh, and we just want to provide a, a platform for them to, to do that and to be the best version of themselves that they can be. Well, with the team names at the moment, so uh, the club is Kilkenny Stars. So what we've tried to do over the last couple of years is we, we've kind of, I suppose, started down a new road where, where we're picking within each group. We're trying to bring in a minimum of, of 30 kids at each age group and put them through a two-year program. So we've got a, a black squad and we've got an orange squad at each age. And the black squad, I suppose, will be generally your, your A squad who are looking to kind of compete and, and be competitive. And your orange squad then, we, we would probably put more kids into this squad and really try and develop them to try and bridge that gap maybe between the, the orange team and the black team. And then obviously we want the kids in the orange team to, to put the, the, the black squads under pressure then as, as, um, as it comes up for selection each year, just to create that competitive vibe in the club. Yeah, so I, I got back involved. I, I coached, traditionally I coached um, senior men's teams um, up until I had kids a, a, a number of years ago, nine years ago. So my focus, I suppose, for the club was when, when my son started playing and now my daughter's playing as well. So for me, I, 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 don't, I don't know why I didn't start coaching at underage level years ago because it's, it's just so much more rewarding. Uh, like just to see kids doing something that, that you show them in practice and, and like the smile on their face if they do something really good get a basket or put the ball between their legs or something like it's, it's a lot of work I won't lie you know it's, but it's really really good fun um, and the kids are great crack as well so it's, it's something that we would encourage you know anyone especially with a, with a bit of a basketball background to try and get involved with the club whether it's in a coaching role or in a backroom role we've got huge ambitions for the club at the moment and we're trying to build out that backroom team so that we can you know start to tick off some of those goals along the way yeah so for us like the one of the, I suppose the lifeblood of, of the club is our academy so we've got kids in the academy across two sessions from six years up as far as 10 years um We've got roughly about 100 kids come through the door every Friday night. It's absolute bedlam. It's crazy. Kids running all over the place, but everybody is having fun. Uh, it's, it's really, really you know, fun. It's, it's based around having fun and just getting them to love the game first uh, and to want to come back. Um, we, we just find that our numbers are so consistent every week. We've got a waiting list. Uh, that's why we're looking for more coaches. We're trying to expand our, uh, I suppose, our capacity all the time so that we can meet the demand of, of, the, of the kids in Kilkenny. But to see the kids now, we're, we're kind of pushing through the academy now, trying to push those kids into, into our league teams and the transition in. The, the standard of our teams is much, much higher. The fact that we've got that huge focus on the academy. Uh, we, we've got our, our professional coach and, and player, Puff Summers, is, is our head coach in the academy, um, along with all of the other um, volunteer coaches in the club. So it's, the energy is fantastic, and, and it's something that we're really, really proud of. Well, basketball, getting involved in basketball is a long story. It's kind of, I was, uh, you know, I'm from America, obviously, where basketball is a little bit bigger than it is over here. And I started playing when I was three or four. I think my dad put the ball in my crib, and, you know, from there, off I went. Uh, so I came here to Kilkenny in 2012, I think it was, and I was playing with the National League team when we, back way back when when uh, Team Kilkenny had a National League men's team, 
And so I got roped into kind of coaching with stars and helping out a little bit then. And then from there, it was kind of a love grew. And uh, I saw the club was kind of on the verge of being something big, but not quite yet. So, uh, so as soon as I got involved, it was kind of like, you know, just hands on deck with, with kind of every team and everything basketball going on in the, in the county. And, you know, 10 years, 11 years later, here we are. Uh, just try it. Just try it. Just throw, you know, the kids who are in the club, uh, whether they're very high level or whether they're just started, just starting. Um, the the atmosphere we try to create is the an atmosphere where you know you can make mistakes and you know we can kind of smile about it and we can laugh at laugh at ourselves and not take it too seriously. And then as you get older, um, those mistakes start lessening more and more. And then you know you become more skilled and then you never know what what's going to happen then. You know. Uh, favorite thing about being a coach is uh, you know when a kid that is really struggling with getting something finally gets it, even if they get it one time. Uh, just to see the the beam on their face, the the, the smile on their face, it's, it's everything to me. Yeah, so one of, one of the key goals for our, uh, for the club at the moment is, is is search for a home of our own. So we're we're almost in every single gym in Kilkenny at the moment, you know, filling it up because we have so many teams. We've got seventeen teams competing in the leagues at the moment. We've got a hundred kids then in the academy on top of that, and all of the additional sessions that we're that we're trying to put on. So for us, like a home of our own, just means you know it it mean the world for us. We'd have proper training facilities. We we could run as many sessions as we could, and obviously have development sessions then within within those um within those um within those facilities as well it's, it's something that we're working towards uh we've started playing all of our home game, games in st kieran's college this year we like to call it the lab because that's where all of our experiments and our work is done but uh yeah we're just trying to make that as as kind of you know as as energetic a place uh, uh, as we can for home games and create a massive atmosphere for the kids so they can get used to playing under pressure and thriving under pressure uh, yeah, it's everything. It's uh, what we're fighting for right now is just time in the gym. So it's we have made ourselves uh, like everybody in the country knows who Kilkenny Stars are. And uh, so right now it's like how do we get that competitive edge and get to another level and compete with the teams in Dublin and Cork. And really it's just more court time, just being on the court more, having more access to the children and uh, more skills, more time in the gym. Um, so having our own court would obviously give us a leg up on, on everybody else and just, you know, we just keep moving, keep moving it forward. Next up, the future basketball stars told me why they love the game, their favourite coaches and what they think the club needs. Because I really like the matches, they're really fun and I really like other people. I, I like coming to basketball on Friday nights because I make loads of friends. The coaches are really friendly and they make us do work but they make it into games. I like because I can play matches and play with my friends. I like it because you get to play matches and you get to play games as well and I get to see my friends. And the matches are fun and training is fun. I love the matches and I love to play. Um, my dad. <laughs> um, my favourite coach, I'm kind of between Zabby and my dad. Um, it's between Zabby and Puff. It's between Zabby and Puff. <laughs> Zabby and Damien. Uh, we want the basketball club to get a court of our own for Kilkenny Stars because uh, we don't really have a court in Kieran's College. We don't really own it, so we want a court of our own. And we'll have a giant KK Stars in the middle and a giant poster up on the wall. Um, I want the club to get more T-shirts and more T-shirts and more T-shirts. <laughs> I want the club to get, go to a trip like over in Spain and play lots of tournaments. I want the club to get new jerseys.
Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. And many, many thanks again to Kilkenny Stars Basketball Club for having me. The enthusiasm and the crack between the coaches and the kids was clear to see and they're all doing fantastic work up there in Kilkenny. Now, it's over to the Rugby World Cup as the All Blacks and the Springboks prepare to do battle for the Webb Ellis Trophy tonight. This is Sports Beat Extra. A word first on Ireland, Aidan. While there's no shame in going out to the All Blacks, it still feels like we let this great opportunity get away from us. What did you make of the game? Yeah, Andy, again, thanks for having us on and definitely thank you to you for giving me a week to kind of put my thoughts into order because I think if you got me on to talk about the game last week, there might be a few more exasperated sighs and a few more swear words uh, in the analysis of the game because it was just such a heartbreaking defeat. Uh, Just watching the game on that Saturday evening, you really felt like Ireland coming into that game, you know, we had put all those kind of demons behind us. We had a pattern in place now which could get us over this hump and yet the old problems just started to creep in a little bit some mistakes coming in uh, discipline really kind of leaving us and we were just kind of beaten by a better team and I think there's no shame in that like you say the All Blacks you know they dominate these games for a reason they have that experience they have that tactical nous just to kind of get under your skin and make sure that they're the ones that kind of come away with the victory and It is heartbreaking to look back on it because this was our opportunity. This was the time where players were in form. We didn't have all that many injuries. You know, there was a kind of a farewell feeling to it for Johnny Sexton as well. It felt like everything was going to go in our favour. And yes, just, you know, passes didn't go astray. And, you know, I'm just thinking back to that that real guilt-edged opportunity for Dan Sheen on the wing or it was Ronan Kelleher on the wing where it just bounced over his head and you just think if that falls into his hands maybe that one is the the try that we need to just get over the line and to be fair you know we were fairly dominated in the first kind of 15-20 minutes and to come back into the game I suppose shows that we have taken a step forward there has been progress under Andy Farrell but you know, even when it got into that kind of thirty-two uh, phase last stand for New Zealand, you just looked at them and you just think, this is a side that don't make mistakes, and that's the key difference. In that, if we were defending that line, you know, somebody strays offside or a hand goes out and there's a deliberate knock on, or you know, somebody doesn't roll away, and then you know, obviously you give New Zealand the opportunity to to march on. New Zealand just don't have that ill discipline. They know exactly how to work the rules. They know exactly how to to perceive themselves as the team that's in the right and to to kind of survive an onslaught for 32 phases just shows that they deserve to be in a World Cup final and they certainly do deserve it. Did the experience of those World Cup winners being in the New Zealand squad ultimately give them that mental edge? Yeah, like I said, you know, they just have this this nous. This, there's something ingrained in this team and of course that comes with experience when you have the likes of Brody Retallick, Sam Whitelock some of these guys you know they've been around forever uh, Whitelock going for his third World Cup final victory which would put him you know on his own uh, the second most uh, you know decorated player in the game and it's just incredible to think that these guys they get that experience because they've always been trusted they've always stood stood up when counted and that's how you get to the position that they're in at the minute you know even when they were going through their dark period there for the last little while you know you just looked at those kind of players and they were kind of driving things behind the scenes and okay Ian Foster wasn't having the greatest of time but he knew to kind of step back a little bit and let these players kind of take control of things themselves and 
really it's the players that have got them to the the World Cup final rather than the actual coaching staff. So there's a couple of echoes from the Women's World Cup in soccer there recently as well, where it was kind of, let's just leave it to the players and let them do what they need to do. And it ultimately worked out for Spain in that occasion. So it might work out for New Zealand in this occasion as well. From the Ireland side of it, I mean, we just don't have that experience because every time we get to a quarterfinal, we fall at that hurdle. And eventually it is going to happen. We are going to get to a semifinal at some stage and there will be, you know, absolute celebrations in the streets when that happens. But until that happens, you can't get experience until you actually go out and do it. And this felt like the opportunity to to really put our names forward and, you know, to kind of put those demons behind us. But it didn't happen. We came up against a fantastic side. Artie Sarvea might be the greatest player, you know, of all time. Uh, uh, you know, Will Jordan, we'll talk a bit about him later on, but just, you know, an absolutely incredible, just to, to dot down that try and to just kind of keep himself in the game without really necessarily doing anything else over 80 minutes. That's just a sign of genius. And that comes with experience. Yeah, and then looking at how comfortable New Zealand were in the semi-final against Argentina, it makes it almost even more of a bitter pill to swallow for Ireland, doesn't it? Yeah, the blood is going to start to boil a little bit for this one as well because you you kind of got a sense that whoever was going to win that game between Ireland and New Zealand were kind of going to stroll into the World Cup final. And listen, Argentina had a fantastic win over Wales, and you know they deserve to to get there themselves, but. I mean, just from the opening kind of few exchanges, you just knew that New Zealand were just on form. And, you know, if they managed to keep their discipline a little bit, then they were just going to blow Argentina away. And that's what happened in the end. And from an Irish point of view, you just sit there and you think that could have been us. That really could have been us. And we could have be, be looking at, you know, taking on South Africa for the second time in this tournament already with a win under our belt. Looking then at the other semi-final, England very nearly did the job on South Africa. But again, that mentality from the South Africans to come back at the crucial time of the game shows their resilience. But were you surprised by how close that game was? South Africa themselves probably didn't have the kind of game that they would want. Um, but at the same time, I mean, South Africa do that have that experience and never really looked panicked. I think if that was Ireland or maybe even New Zealand in that game against England, you'd start to see passes being forced a little bit, players trying to do it on their own. South Africa, to their credit, you know, even when Manny Libok gets taken off in 31 minutes, that doesn't seem like a move of desperation. It seems like, okay, something's going wrong here, but we've planned for this. We're going to put on one of the greatest goal kickers we've had in our lifetime. And, uh, you know, he obviously proves to be the difference maker in the end. So, it was a, quite a close game. I think England will be kicking themselves probably more so than Ireland in their game against New Zealand because that was a real opportunity to to kind of not only kind of whitewash your image of this tournament and, and kind of have everybody leaving the tournament with kind of a good feeling, but to really kind of stamp your name all over this tournament and say, listen, English rugby hasn't gone away yet, but unfortunately they didn't get it done and South Africa just showed that little bit more experience and just knew that um, you know it was going to be a fantastic game and they really took advantage of it in the end. And just a word for Orgy Snayman, who's had such a tough few years. I mean, obviously, you know, looked like an absolute superstar coming off the bench in the 2019 final and, and proving to be one of the difference makers that day. Goes to Munster, has to suffer through COVID, has to suffer through, you know, multiple head knocks, some concussion issues, uh, you know, that horrible uh, knee break as well, wasn't it? And then just this bizarre... <laughs> uh, barbecue incident where you know that keeps him on the sidelines for a number of months as well and I think he made something like nine appearances a month for Munster for the last few years but 
you know, I think it shows the the quality that he has. That Munster didn't think about contra- you know, cancelling that contract, and South Africa stood by him all the way. They sent him to California for some rehab, and that's something you do when you believe in a player. And he certainly repaid that belief as well. Came off the bench the last day and and proved to be the difference maker in the end. So, uh, just a, a fantastic, you know, an, an Irish angle, I suppose, as well for Orgy's name and to be in this final. And he could prove to be important again coming off the bench. South Africa have opted to fill the bench with forwards again with the bomb squad selection. Can it be as effective as it was against the All Blacks before the World Cup? Yeah, very interesting to see how the bomb squad works in this game because you mentioned that World Cup warm-up game. Uh, that was kind of the moment where everybody looked at South Africa and thought, actually, do you know what? These are starting to put in a bit of form now. They're starting to come into this tournament and might be one of the favourites to go back-to-back, which you know obviously doesn't happen a whole lot. New Zealand themselves know what it takes to go back-to-back, so that'll be very interesting to see if they can manage to, to ratchet up the pressure a little bit during the game. But yeah, it's it's very interesting to see that they've gone with that 7-1 split. Obviously, it didn't work against us. It worked against New Zealand before. So you've kind of got a 50-50 uh, chance of it uh, proving the difference in the end. South Africa need to make sure that they're in this game as it comes down to the final few moments because had England maybe got another try in that semi-final, you know, it looks like they might have taken the wrong approach to kind of just fire on all their forwards and you might need a bit more against this uh, New Zealand side who are going to score tries. A word on the electric Will Jordan. 31 tries in 30 tests for New Zealand, looking to break the record for most tries at one World Cup as he currently sits on eight. Can he do it? Can he break that record? He's a a good kick chaser, knows how to kind of put himself in the correct positions, isn't afraid to stand in first receiver as well and and kind of just get himself, get his hands on the ball and and be a bit more of a conductor. But like you say, 31 tries in 30 games, that'll probably be never equaled and you wouldn't put it past him to, to just find an inch of space, particularly when it gets to those dying moments and there's a few tired South African heads going around. You know, he might find a few soft shoulders and get himself in for that record breaking try and you know, he's been an absolute wonderful uh, player to watch. Uh, when you look on the other side, Cheslin Kobe would have been that player and he was that player in 2019. He really hasn't performed to the you know kind of standards that we're expecting of him. I think that's more down to the tactics his team are employing rather than anything he's doing himself. He's having to do an awful lot of defensive work and kind of just be a bit more of a team player than kind of the absolute live wire that we saw four years ago but Will Jordan is somebody who you know again Sam Kane can look at him and go well we know Will's going to score in this game so we just need to make sure that we're you know kind of seven points ahead and make sure that we can get him the ball because he just has that little bit of magic and you know he is somebody who can defend as well but I think Will Jordan you know it would be right and fitting that he manages to get this tournament record and you know he can be absolutely you know he's one of those players you'd love to have a player cam on just to watch him for the 80 minutes because you know he knows how to time his runs really well he's got that tactical awareness and he's somebody who's going to light up this final no doubt absolutely and then on the other side the clerk and pollard are in with reinach and libach cut completely from the 23 is that a clear indication of how south africa intend to play the game yeah, it's probably no surprise to see Fafta Clark coming back in. Certainly, he is that player who, you know, he is the conductor of the orchestra in a sense and somebody who's willing to sacrifice his own game to make sure that everybody else kind of can put their best step forward. And to pair him up with uh, Andre Pollard, is, I think they're the most 
kind of uh, selected halfback pairing in South African history now as well. They've played 25 times together. So they'll know each other's rhythms. They know how to, to kind of change if something needs to change. They'll be able to, to kind of work off the fly. And, you know, if after Clark, obviously another kicking option as well. We saw that a little bit in the uh, the semi-final or the... It was the game before that, the quarterfinal as well. So there's somebody who's not afraid to to kind of change up how they play. But yeah, this is going to be a forwards battle. South Africa make no apologies. They like to be the bad guys, I suppose. They they know that they won't play this kind of fast, fast flowing, you know, find the extra man rugby. They're happy enough to put the ball up the jumper and just run over teams if they need to. And Fafta Clark is kind of brilliant at that. He knows how to get players into the right positions. He knows how to, to time his kicks really well as just to get, you know, South Africa out of any tricky situations that they find themselves in. And Andre Pollard, you know, can score from basically anywhere on the field. He's got that, you know, 2019 final experience in him. He knows how to score. You know, he's got that real ego boost of getting the winning kick in the semi-final. So they're two t- players who work really, really well, uh, really well together. And I think that they're probably the right choice coming in. And, you know, if they don't have an awful lot to do, South Africa will be pretty happy enough that if they manage to mull over a couple of tries, they'll take that. And if Andre Pallard has an interesting but you know kind of low key day, he'll take that World Cup final and take that World Cup medal with him. South Africa, of course, have fourteen players in their twenty three who won the twenty nineteen World Cup. New Zealand still have five winners from twenty fifteen. So both teams are in form. They're playing well. What could make the difference here? I think one thing is going to make the difference in this game, and it's the scrum. And it's something that we've talked about for all of this week. It's something that's going to be talked about about for weeks to come as well. Obviously, the the Virgin Media thing really blew up on Monday, where you know everybody was coming out and defending the scrum and whether it deserves to have you know the the kind of level of respect that it does in the game. Does it slow the game down too much? Is it a legitimate tactic tactic that teams are starting to use now? And I think it really shows that. South Africa are going all in on the scrum. They know that they can replace, you know, almost all their front forwards if they need to, you know, coming down to the final moment. So it's it's something that New Zealand will have worked on as well. They know they got a bit dominated in that game uh, in the pre-World Cup, uh, in the warm-up games. And obviously they went down to 14 men in that game as well. So they'll certainly try to keep their players on and just have that discipline a bit more. And, you know, all eyes will be on uh, Wayne Barnes coming into this game as well because one thing I, I saw, there was a great article in The Guardian this week pointing out that, you know, you think a soccer referee has it hard. The rugby referees were the only two things that people were talking about coming out of both semifinals last weekend. So, uh, you know, Wayne Barnes, obviously, I think he's the most capped referee of all time now and he's, you know, getting his first World Cup experience. So he's certainly somebody who won't allow the players to kind of overbully him or, or dominate him in any way and he'll know all these players pretty well and he's coming up up against them in this tournament already so I think he's somebody who's going to be looking at every single aspect of the scrum this week and making sure that no player is trying to get an advantage and finally then Aidan what is your prediction for tonight's Rugby World Cup final this was the question I really didn't want you to ask me because I think even in the course of this conversation I've kind of swung myself from New Zealand have the better attacking rugby they probably deserve this a bit more having come through the kind of struggles that they did and you know if you look back on this tournament and say who were the best side that you wanted to watch in this tournament it probably was New Zealand once you take everything else out of it so they probably deserve to have this victory but then South Africa they've come through so many different tests you know having to bounce back from the the defeat to us you know having to come through that absolutely wonderful first half against France you know just 
beating England over the head and managing to get over the line in the semi-final as well. They've really proven themselves as defending champions and to go back to back is an absolute wonderful uh, achievement for any side. And, you know, there's obviously the the added bonus as well as uh, if either of these teams win, they'll become the most successful in World Cup history as well, which is, you know, an extra little carrot to come in. I think it's going to be very interesting to see. I think if New Zealand can manage to get themselves that little step ahead and like I say they don't make mistakes there won't be too much in discipline there won't be the same opportunities that England offered up in that semi-final second half so I think you know Andre Pollard probably won't get as many opportunities to to really put his foot and a stamp on this game so I think it's probably advantage New Zealand but if you know the tighter it remains you know if South Africa can get that bomb squad on early and to have a real impact when it comes to the line out to the scrum it might just swing their way but I'm going to kind of give it to attacking rugby I'm going to give it to Will Jordan I think he's going to break the record this week and I think New Zealand are going to be the four-time World Cup champions brilliant Aidan listen thanks a million again for coming on to speak with me and let's hope that it will indeed be a game worthy of a rugby World Cup final I'm Andy. This has been Sportsbeat Extra. Thanks so much for joining me once again. And don't go anywhere because Beat Anthems is coming up next. <laughs>